0: Welcome to the Everything Leafs Podcast. I'm Kevin Papetti, here with Nick D'Souza, a writer at the Leafs Nation. Nick, we are canceling the three stars this week. They didn't get a win, so they don't deserve it. But we have, we have not breaking news, but close to breaking news to talk about. So, at, at 12.27 today, we got the Leafs PR notification that the Leafs have recalled Rasmus Sandin from the Marlies. And for about two hours, there was some celebration. Uh, I personally was excited to see Sandine called up, get him an opportunity. Um, But then, two hours later, 228 to be exact, we find out that Morgan Riley is going to be out a minimum of eight weeks with a broken foot. Nick, a lot of goals against this week, no wins, and now Riley's out joining Muzzin uh, on the IR. So what do you make of this Riley Situation. I know it's not going to be positive, but I guess what's your outlook on 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 this situation?
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot to unpack this week. There's there's been a lot of news. I mean, I feel like you and I should be canceled because last week we predicted that the Leafs were going to get four to six points, and then they come back and and they got one. So
0: it it was I rough. I know.
1: Yeah, it was definitely a rough week. But yeah, when it comes to Riley, I mean, I just found out about that. Like, I wasn't looking at my phone throughout the day. And when I looked at my phone at the end of the day, at around five, I saw Sandine getting called up, and then right after that, as I kept scrolling through Twitter, I saw, I saw Riley, be, you know, being injured for for eight weeks, and it kind of wasn't really even definitive. It said that he'll be reevaluated in in eight weeks. So, I mean, we know that he's had that nagging injury throughout the year. So, I mean, I think that that injury might be a little bit more than than what meets the eye.
0: Yeah, and I think. So, I found out about the Sandine call up at lunch, and I didn't really put two and two together that Riley might be hurt. I just figured that Sandine would be replacing Morinson. But obviously, Riley's a, a heck of a defender. Uh, he does have his defensive concerns, but even when you account for the defensive concerns, uh, he's a heck of a player. Um, I do think, like, if I'm going to say the best case scenario here and, and take the pauses out of this, it's that. I mean, even if it's 10 weeks, Riley's probably going to have a few games before the playoffs, worst-case scenario, uh, knock on wood. And then it does give Sandin a tryout, so he can prove that he's an NHL player. Uh, if, if, he, if he plays well these next, I don't know how long, months, two months, then maybe he finds himself in the playoff lineup along with Morgan Riley, and, and you're better off as a result. So uh, if I'm going to talk about the positives, it's, it's going to have to be that you know, I think Riley hasn't looked completely right this year. Yeah, he has looked banged up at times, but maybe he can heal two injuries at once. Maybe he comes back fresh for the playoffs. Maybe Sandine looks great. I mean, he's looked great at the World Juniors. He's looked great in the AHL level. Uh, I am pretty excited to see Sandine. So I guess there is a bit of a. It's a little bit bittersweet. I'll say.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I feel like this. It's felt like that for a lot of the injuries this year. I mean. When it came to, to Janssen getting injured and, and Mikheyev, we got to see Pierre Engval come up and you know, now in hindsight, we can kind of say it's a little bit of a blessing in disguise. If we can find any sort of positive, it would be that yeah. we saw Pierre Engval be with the Leafs for an extended period of time and it almost at this point seems like, I don't think Pierre Engval's going to play in the AHL ever again. And if he does this year, it would be because of his cap hit. It's a little bit higher than his, the other depth players. But, I mean, I'm almost at the point where you want to make room for him via trade or, or whatever it is because he's been that good. So when you take that into consideration, you know, you hope that something similar happens with Rasmus Sandin where he can come up, um, you know, he's going to have a bigger role than what he had earlier this season where he kind of had that that sheltered third-pairing role. Um I think he was at the time he would have been alongside. I can't even remember who he was alongside. He's at big that time. safety. He's next to big safety. Oh yeah, how could how could I even? Martin Muerensen. Yeah, how could I even? Who forget? just
0: got a who just got a contract extension?
1: Yeah, that should be a whole segment actually today because Twitter completely was was not happy about that. But back to Sandin, I mean, he's about to get, as you said, a huge opportunity. And I mean, it's extremely well deserved. He's been—he's looked a step step better than the AHL, and kind of similar to Travis Dermott when, when he got called up, he looked a step better than the rest of the AHL. And I think I can say the same thing about Rasmus Sandin at this point. So I, I'm really excited to see how he does. I think he did pretty well in that third pair that third pair earlier this year. So I mean, the he's he's now probably going to get a roll on that second power play since since Riley's out. So, I mean, we're about to see what Sandine's made of in in a decent sample. So, I'm excited for that as uh, as I'm a huge Sandine stan.
0: Yeah, I think and I I'm pretty much the president of the Sandine fan club at this point. I tweeted about Sandine earlier and someone responded, "I'm excited for all 200 routine plays that you give tomorrow." So, this guys getting pretty <laughs> getting roasted pretty good today. um I do think he's going to be a pretty darn good NHL defenseman. I think he's already a pretty good defenseman. Uh, Just his ability to to pass on the backhand. Uh, It's going to be nice to see him get more minutes. And it's not just a a Babcock-Keefe thing. I think it's more, I mean, the two left-shooting defensemen ahead of him on the depth chart are hurt. Um, Earlier in the year, we saw Riley and Muzzin getting huge minutes, and and deservingly so, and and that kind of left Sandine with Minimal minutes. And, and because they had Riley Berry on the power play, there wasn't really special team situations to get him involved with. And now, with, with Riley out of the lineup, I do think we'll see Sandine probably on the second power play unit. Uh, get, maybe he gets some points as a result. Maybe it helps him get some confidence. Um, not that he looked not confident in his first sample. I mean, I think the nice part about Sandine, and uh, this was something Babcock said. Back at the start of the year is like he doesn't seem to get nervous out there uh he doesn't seem to he, he just plays his game he Plays a very simple game moves the puck well uh even when there's four checkers around him pressuring him he just stays calm and, and makes an effective play so uh, I'm, I'm curious to see if he gets reunited with big safety martin marinson but uh it looks like It'll, they'll probably be separated just because they have three left-shooting defensemen healthy right now and three right-shooting defensemen.
1: Yeah, the the defense core is definitely going to look different because right now you have, well, before the the Riley injury, you had Riley and Barry, two guys that like to, to step up. I mean, more times than not, if there's a rush, they're stepping up, and sometimes even when they're together, they're both stepping up and hoping the forwards um, take place. But when it comes to Rasmus Sandin, he's a little bit of a different defender. He's I like to call him kind of like the 3D, I guess we'll call him a, a 2020 2020 defender where he's not always going to use the same tool every single play. You know, based on that specific situation, he's going to make a decision on what he thinks is the best and and that's what makes Rasmus Sandin so good. It's his decision making on each individual play. He's, as you said, he's a very good on his backhand, but he... He can jump up in the rush if he wants to. He can play it safe. Um, he can he can make the first pass. He can escape the the incoming checker using his his uh, his legs. So he has a bunch of tools, and his ability to choose the best route to to solve different problems on the ice is what makes him so good. So it's going to be a different look. I think the Leafs are going to look a little bit more kind of complete, I guess, and a little bit less crazy, but. I mean, that's not a knock on R- Morgan Riley. I mean, as you said earlier, he is an, a very, very good defenseman. I mean, he had 72 points last year, but I think that they're going to look a little bit more stable than they have um, in the past, especially without that Riley Barry pairing.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've. It, it's kind of. I, I kind of see both sides of this where I think, like, I've been frustrated with the Riley Barry pairing. I think that's a big reason why they have the problems that they do. Uh, I think both are, are pretty much like having a fourth forward out there. Uh, when they're both on the same pairing, it seems like they have five forwards out there. So, I mean, they do give up a lot. I thought Barry gave up a lot, specifically against Florida last night. Um, but, I mean, I was looking at uh, Evolving Hockey. It's a good website. They have a expected goals against replacement model. Um, and even when you account for Riley's poor defense, like I was looking at his numbers both this year and the previous two years. He was the 96th percentile in, in expected goals, so I think, it's, I think everyone knows he's a very valuable player, um, and it's going to be tough. I mean, this is, the Leafs are, with that loss to Florida, it was kind of a key game last night, uh, the Panthers are just one point back with a game in hand, and I mean, the Leafs are, are pretty far behind Boston still, Tampa is just on a roll, so they're four points behind Tampa. Uh, they sit seventh in the conference right now. And, and I would say by points percentage, Florida's is ahead of them. So uh, they're kind of right on the, on the bubble here. And they they definitely need Anderson to play better. They need him to kind of go on a roll here. Uh, but you look at that back end right now, and, and it seems like Justin Hall might be their best defenseman. I can't believe you're saying that. Like if you would have told me that last year, he would have said, you know, the Leafs are probably in trouble. And I do think they're in a little bit of trouble. I mean, I haven't loved the Murrinson C.C. pairing. Uh, I think maybe they take a little bit too much of the blame at times, but th- they don't have a good puck mover on that pairing. And uh, I've been frustrated with Barry, even though he's, he's provided some points. Uh, I've liked Justin Hall this year, but I don't like him as a number one defenseman. So I'm kind of counting down the days until Muzzin's back. And it is nice that next week they do have a week off.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'll kind of push back a little bit about the Marincin CC pairing. I, I don't think it's an ideal pairing at all, and I don't think that's a pairing that we're gonna see in a healthy lineup. So, but when it comes when it comes to not having a puck mover, I guess Marincin would be the puck mover, and I think he's a bit underrated just because of how much kind of criticism he gets online from kind of all areas of the Leafs uh, fans. I think he's one of those defensemen that he almost relies on tape to tape passes a bit. Too often in a similar way to to kind of how Jake Gardner was, and it leads to it leads to very very noticeable turnovers. So, I guess I'm a little higher on Martin Morinson than than other people are. I think he's very very good at defending his line. He's pretty good at defending his cycle, but I'm I'm gonna say and he's, he's I mean one of his biggest knocks is definitely a skating, and there's not really much defending there. But I'm gonna push back a little bit about his puck puck moving. I think he can make tape to tape passes, but it would just help him to if he could just chip it off the boards from time to time.
0: So with Marincin, I think he is one of the most controversial Leafs uh, because you have a, a large segment of the fan base that just can't stand him. Um, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's because he's lengthy, not that physical, not a very, like, he, he's not a guy that picks up points. Uh, he's had turnovers. I get the frustration, but, like, there's nothing in any sort of data that would suggest that he's, like, awful. Like, he's not Ben Harper bad. Um, And I think he's a capable 7th, 8th defenseman. Um, He's someone that I don't want in my top 6 come playoff time in an ideal situation. I'd rather have 6 defensemen that are better than him. But I think he's fine in emergency play. Um, One, because I do think that he's very good at defending the blue line, as you said. Uh, I don't mind his skating, actually. I do... I don't think he's a good puck mover. Um, sometimes he'll surprise you, but I, I just I really don't like his offensive game. Uh, I do think he gets underrated by most of the fan base, but uh, I'm not sure that having CC next to him is is the perfect compliment. I think you know when Marinson was with Rasmus Sandin, uh, he could he could give it to Sandine to kind of create some offense. But right now, it just feels like. The way the Leafs are playing under Keefe is they tend to use their defensemen more. Like The defensemen are jumping up more. They tend to pass it to them or look for them more. And then it gets kind of awkward when you have Matthews Marner passing to Marinson CC in the offensive zone. Um, and it's not necessarily the fault of Marinson CC, I think they've been okay on the third pairing. Um, but it is a little bit frustrating watching them play when you had Sandin and and Lilligren kind of tearing it up in the AHL. I I do think Sandin and Lilligren are better defensemen right now. I think, I mean, obviously now that Sandin's up and he has this opportunity, I'm I'm excited to see him, but um, it it does feel like Jake Muzzin cannot come back fast enough at this point, and next week's break is is kind of coming at the perfect time.
1: Yeah, exactly, and I think when it like you said, it's it's really no one's fault. I mean, the injuries are kind of it's kind of unfortunate how many injuries they have, especially now that we have to see that CC Merson pairing. but it's a good thing that it's on that third pairing. but it's for whatever reason, I'm not sure why Lilligrin, I guess we'll get into him a little later, but I'm not sure why Lilligren, you know, I, I'm not really sure the reason with him with Sandine, I mean I feel like sooner or later he was gonna get called up even if Riley didn't get injured. I felt like it was almost inevitable especially um, so that you could have like a much better puck mover in Sandine than than Marinsen. so I think with him he was gonna get called up sooner or later but the lilligren over CC thing is something that I'm kind of scratching my head but I mean I guess with CC it's you're hoping that they can find a trade with him
0: yeah I think and so CC I don't think he's an amazing player. Uh, I think the data's kind of shown that over the years. I do think he's been a fine third-pairing defenseman this year. The issue for me is that, I mean, he's making like $4.2 million, somewhere around there, which is just too much for a third-pairing defender. Um, I do think that when you put him up in the lineup, that speed starts to hurt him. Uh, I do like that he can penalty kill. I do like that he's got a bit of size. I think he's like a better version of Roman Polak. Um, not exactly my ideal type of defenseman, but I think he's been fine. I think sometimes too much of the blame is going towards that Marincin-CC pairing. But, I mean, you're not going to scratch Tyson Barry. I do think that that's been a big part of the problem, is just having these defensemen that have been pretty damn weak defensively. Um, But at the same time, like we know Barry's at least a pretty decent player, um, and I do think that the easiest way to improve this team was to put, you know, Sandin or Lilligren in the lineup, over Marintsen or, or or Cody CC. Now, Sandine and CC don't play the same side. Uh, I think that playing CC allows them to keep the door open in case they want to move them. Uh, but I also just think like I think they like CC on the penalty kill. I think they they probably think he's been fine in a third pairing role. Uh, it's not the same role he played in Ottawa. It is, I mean, a much reduced role. Uh, especially under Keefe, so like I, I, I'm not too concerned with CC's play right now, but I do think that like as a whole, I look at those six defensemen and I'm a little bit worried over this next stretch here because, and I mean, I guess we'll get into this now. Like, where do you see the defense pairings now that Riley's out? We normally like this is something we talk about. It seems like every week, but now that Morgan Riley's out, it seems to have a different dynamic. Um, I would guess that you have Justin Hall on your shutdown pairing. Can we start there?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, the biggest issue with right now is you have players that either have never played in the role that they're in or, you know, they're kind of accelerated into the role that they have to play now. And, I mean, Dermot and Hall are definitely going to be the shutdown pairing, similar to what we've seen. And, I mean, they've been okay, I'll say, but... When it comes to hall he just came into that that um that role it was really nice when you had a guy like jake muzzin next to justin hall that way hall kind of wasn't the i guess better defender and muzzin was kind of taking a lot of the load and hall was there to to make his plays but now when you have hall there who's you know has more experience it sounds weird but he has more experience playing top four minutes than travis Dermott does so they're kinda of like learning on the go right now, both Dermot and Hall. And you know, Dermott went from potentially could be a top four defenseman. The stats would back up that he is, that he would be good in that role. And now all of a sudden he's gonna be playing the best lines every single night. So until Riley or Muzzin come back. So they're kind of being accelerated into that role. So that's my top pairing. Second pairing, I'll go with who I'm um, now this is I'm kind of I've kind of been in between in them.
0: So you're either you're either going you're either going Sandine Barry, probably in sheltered minutes, and you got two offensive puck movers together. Kind of similar to the Riley Barry pairing, I guess. And then you would go on a third pair, Marinson CC. And then your alternative, I guess, would be Marinson with Barry. So you have a kind of a more defensive defenseman with an offensive defenseman. And then you'd have Sandine, more of a puck mover with Cody CeCe. Now, I'm not sure... You also have to consider the minutes. Like, whoever's playing with Barry is probably going to be playing more than who plays with CeCe. So which one of those alternatives do you prefer for the other pairings?
1: So I'll kind of answer that first question. So I think that the only line that we're going to see that's going to be kind of in cement for the next few weeks will be Dermot Hall. Now, I think that I would rather see... Um, Marinson and Barry, and then Sandin, CeCe. But I would like to see shifts of Sandin and Barry in the offensive zone, and I'm pretty confident in Sheldon Keefe that he'd be able to kind of make those changes according to where the, the face-off is and kind of you know make those in-game adjustments. But I really do think that Barry needs someone that more times than not will stay back, like Martin Marinson. And it's not to say that Sandin can't do that, but I think I'm not really confident, and Sandin's a guy who likes to step up, and he will do it if it benefits the team, and I'm pretty confident in his ability to do that, but I'm still not confident in Barry being the guy that has to kind of stay back in any sort of situation. So I'll go with Sandin and CeCe as the third pair, I guess, and you can put a little asterisk next to that, and then the second pair being... Marinson and Barry is that kind of where you are or are you going the opposite I think
0: that's what I prefer as well though I'm not all that strongly opinionated on it yet I think like the yeah. only other thing I can think of is I find whoever plays with Sandine tends to play well because he just draws defenders towards him and then like whoever he plays with seems to get the puck with plenty of time and space and I think if you do that to, to Travis sorry Tyson Barry I think that that's a recipe for success because he's such a good puck mover. If you give that guy space, he's going to take advantage. However, I am kind of tired of watching Tyson Barry play defense, and I'm not sure that playing him with a rookie will help that. Um, I think Sandin's better defensively than Barry already. Um, he's stronger. He's better in puck battles. Um, but, I I do kind of want a babysitter for Tyson Berry at this point. It would be a nice break from the Riley-Berry pairing that kind of struggled in that regard. Um, Berry in the past in Colorado has played with more defensive defensemen. I think he was with Zdorov for for quite a bit of last year. I think he played with Patrick Nemeth for a bit. Uh, Maybe Ian Cole, I'm trying to remember now. Um, But I think Marinson can kind of provide some balance to that pairing that kind of hasn't had it. Um, but again, it's going to be tough to replace Morgan Riley. I wouldn't even mind if you're going to play CC more minutes. I wouldn't mind like putting him with with Dermot again, and then maybe you put like I, I'm thinking back to the playoffs last year where they put Zaitsev in a shutdown role, and they kind of just said, you know, we're going to win when that shutdown pairing's off the ice because they had Riley, Dermot, Gardner. I'm almost tempted to do something like that again where you kind of go like Sandy and justin Hall, um, almost as... As your uh, shutdown pairing. No, I'd go dermot CC
1: as the shutdown in that case. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, the, the biggest problem I have with that is that CC, I mean, isn't very good defensively, and I, I don't think Dermot's good enough. I think he's very good at defending the line. I think that he's pretty good in battles, but sometimes he gets a little bit lost in his de- in the defensive end, and... And we just haven't really seen him in a large sample defending top lines. And of course, with the amount of injuries, like I said, he's going to have to be accelerated into that role one way or the other. Or someone will have to anyway. So I think that's my biggest concern is that last year when Zaitsev was on that top line, he had Muzzin on the line. He had Tavares. He had Marner. He had Hyman. So he had pretty good defensive players that were going up against that Bergeron line last year, but I, I'm, I can see your thinking, but I think that's, it's just so tough right now, just because they just don't have the personnel to, Yeah, they're, they're going to have to go on the fly.
0: I'm not, I don't think I'm fully suggesting that CC should be on the top pair. Um, yeah, like we're just brainstorming, brainstorming here, def- Yeah, but, exactly. Because <laughs> it scares me. It's like, it's like when Marincin Hall was the shutdown pair for a bit there, and, All of a sudden, you have Marinson playing huge minutes. It's like, I don't want Marinson playing huge minutes. Like, I don't mind Martin Marincin. I probably like him more than most people do. But I don't want him playing, you know, 20 minutes a night or playing against Connor McDavid. So it does seem like they they could really use A, Jake Muzzin back, and B, maybe maybe another addition at the deadline. Um, But this next week or so, it is going to be tough to get through. I'm not sure... I'm, like, I'm praying that Muzzin's back after the break. Um, there are three games this week. They have the Devils tomorrow, which, I mean, is a little bit easier, even though they just beat the Lightning. Um, they have the Flames, which is, which is a pretty tough matchup. And then they have the Blackhawks, which always seems to be like an 8-7 game. Um, so I want to get your thoughts. So just over the last, if we look at the last week. Uh, not only did they lose three games, but the, the amount of goals against were were pretty concerning, I'd say, to say the least. So a 6-4 loss to Edmonton. Um, they went down 3-0. They got it back to 4-3, but they did give up six goals. Uh, they had a 4-3 shootout loss to Winnipeg, uh, which Matthews kind of stole the point there at the end. And then a 8-4 loss against Florida, which, I mean, anytime you allow eight goals, it's kind of, kind of highlight some defensive concerns um so I think there's a lot of talk right now about the least style of play can you win with this type of defense um I think part of it was just this week specifically was Frederick Anderson's kind of taking a step back I don't know if that's fatigue I don't know if he's just you know just a bad week um but I think it's kind of clear at this point that they do have some defensive issues that they need to work out where do you stand in terms of the style of play and the defense in general?
1: Yeah, I mean I don't think Anderson's been very good, but you don't want your goalie, you know, kinda of needing to I don't want to say he's stood on his head, but he's he's been very good. And I mean that's no that's no secret that the Leaf success is very dependent on Frederick Anderson and then this week he wasn't he wasn't as good as he usually is. Now I'm kind of in between on what, you know, the major problem with this Leafs defensively is one thing that i've noticed is that on the breakouts th- this team breaks out very differently than how they did last year or even to the beginning of the season where they have a lot of players they have their wingers drop back quite a bit and they're kind of on the half wall waiting for a pass and they make a lot of short passes before they even you know exit the zone so i think teams are starting to pick up on that where they're starting to clog up their you know the defense their offensive zone quite a bit and it's causing a lot of turnovers right now that are leading to to some really important chances now I think it was like at least two or three of the goals last night were either two-on-ones that the player just shot and scored or it was off the Leafs breakout where they turned the puck over a Panther would go to the front of the net the Leafs weren't able to defend that quick enough and then the Florida scored so Half the problem is goaltending. And then I think the other half of the problem is, one, their breakouts. And two, they're just committing too many players in the offensive zone. That's leading to way too many odd man rushes the other way. So those are things that aren't, you know, those are things that I guess they have to patch up and they're going to have to learn on the go as they try and make the playoffs here. And they're going to have to play good teams in the playoffs. So, But I don't think they're, yeah. like, they're problems that are so over the top that they can't do it. And they score enough goals that if they can just patch up some of those things, that they're going to win a ton of hockey games again.
0: Yeah, I think, so I get kind of frustrated when I listen to like sports radio or some podcast and they say, you know, can the Leafs win like this? And it is like, it's always phrased in a very black and white way where it's like, it's either yes, they can or no, there's no way. It's either like 100% or 0%. And I think it is pretty clear that they can, they do have a chance to win uh, with this roster. Uh, You look at a team like Pittsburgh a couple years ago when they had basically no defense to speak of uh, towards the the end of the playoffs, and they won. And and how do they win? Well, they had pretty good goaltending, and they had, I mean, Crosby Malkin leading the way. I think Jake Gensel went off, Phil Kessel. Um, So they went on on tons of offensive talent. Now, for me right now, the Leafs are almost like, like I take the Golden State Warriors, like before Durant, um, like when they had Bogut and and Draymond Green defending, and like if you took them out and you replaced them with like Andrea Bargnani, Hmm. like someone who's just not as good defensively, it's like are they going to win? Yeah, they're going to win a lot of games because, I mean, they have Thompson and Curry scoring all these points. Um, but it is tougher. Like, you do make your life more difficult when you play very poor defense. Um, same with, like, if you look at the NFL, like, Mahomes in, in previous years it's like, can he win with this, with this defense? Yeah, he can. He's a heck of a player. Uh, but it does make it more difficult when your defense is not even average. So I do think that can the Leafs win a series playing like this? Absolutely. Can they win a cup playing like this? Yes, but I do think their odds would increase drastically if they played, you know, league average defense or, or slightly above league average defense. Um, I do think that they need Jake Muzzin in order to do that. Um, so I, I cannot wait for him to get back. But I would also like some sort of move at the deadline. I know we've talked about, you know, the potential of moving CC out, moving maybe a different defenseman in. Um, so there are a couple players that were mentioned by Pierre Lebrun um, in his recent column at The Athletic. Uh, one was Alec Martinez. You now, he is pretty similar to Jake Muzzin in the sense that he's got a year and a half remaining, uh, obviously using the Los Angeles King. We saw Dubas kind of avoid the rental market last year, uh, get someone like Muzzin. Now, I just don't think Martinez is the same type of defenseman as Muzzin. Uh LeBren said that he thinks the cost would be less than Muzzin, but uh, I just don't think that he's the type of defender that they need. Uh, Brendan Dillon on on the San Jose Sharks, uh, he is a very good defender by at least by the numbers that I've seen. Um, he's like a six four. He has a left hand shot, which is an ideal. But uh, I mean, he, he penalty kills. He seems to be legitimately good at defense. Uh, I'd be interested in him. Like. I don't know. I think my dream, which I said on the last podcast, was Jeff Petrie, um, but I do feel like we are headed towards sunset, some, some type of defense acquisition.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think that's something we talk about quite a bit. I'm also on the Petrie train. Um, with with him, it's a little tricky just because Montreal would have to retain retain on him, and he's he's very good. I mean, he's he's a guy that puts up a lot of points as well. So the price on him might be a little difficult for the Leafs to. To trade for also because Montreal's kind of in between you know whether they're sellers or whether they think they're going to make the playoffs right now so I think that in a week or two we're going to really know what Montreal is kind of thinking and what they're going to be doing and I think even um, their GM was talking about by the all-star break they're going to have a better idea of what direction this team is going so with Petrie I think it's it's a dream I think he'd be a perfect fit for this team he has a year he has this year and he has next year still on the contract I would hope that Montreal would kind of take back some of the salary but I think that I think that he's the dream and if they could pull off a trade for him I'd be extremely happy Dylan and Martinez I'm not as not as I don't know as much about them but for sure I definitely think a trade needs to be made and if they can get a guy who can play the right side in their top four then and they can get completely healthy for the playoffs, I think the Leafs are looking very, very good.
0: Yeah, I, the one guy, I think I mentioned him in the last episode, I like Joakim Ryan on, on the Kings when, for what I've seen of him. Um, I would say if Chris Tanev becomes available, I'd have interest. I think the like they're, they're sitting sixth right now in the conference, so I don't think he's going to be available Uh like if, if Brodeen becomes available, I have some interest. I think he's good defensively, but again, like the price might be quite high. So it is it is gonna be a bit tricky here. I'm not a huge fan of Vatnin. Um I mean maybe Dylan DeMello makes some sense. I think he's more of an offensive defenseman, but uh I'll start watching him a bit more ahead of the deadline here. Um there just isn't a ton of players available, and it seems like the price will be quite high. Uh when I think of even like, I think Petri's probably the best case scenario uh, in terms of ability. I think he's a top pairing caliber defenseman. Um, I'd be thrilled if they got him. I think the Habs have tons of cap space, so it would make sense for them to maybe retain a little bit in exchange for a better package. Now, I don't like the players I wouldn't want to give up for Petri or Nick Robertson, who's just scoring like crazy right now, and Peter He's got a Amazing shot, and then Sandine because I think Sand like you're not going to trade Sandine for a year and a half of a player um, unless it's like McDavid. So um, I don't want to give them up. I wouldn't give Lilligren up either. I think he's just making great progress in the NHL. Um, as much as I would love to have a year and a half of Petri, it is still a year and a half. Um, but other than that, like I think any other prospect would be available. I think. I mean, the challenge is that the Leafs don't have their first round pick this year. It went to Carolina in the Marlow trade. Um, so I'm going to put you on the spot here. I know we've talked about Janssen and Kapanen in the past. Pierre Engvall, and I know people are going to get mad at me for this, but Engvall is now the third line center. His value is, it's got to be quite high. I mean, he's putting up points. He's now playing center. He's good defensively, he's got size. Would you give up Engvall for Jeff Petrie?
1: Yeah, I think that's where my line is. It would be above Engvall. So I guess the answer to your question would be yes. When it comes to guys that I wouldn't give up, I think my there's a few more guys that I wouldn't give up in kind of that. I, I don't think I, I'm too keen on giving up even Janssen or Kapanen for a guy like Jeff Petrie. I think he's a very good defenseman. But for, for two years of him at the age of thirty five, 32, I think he is right now. I'm I'm just not, yeah. I'm not really too down to trade a guy like Janssen or Kapanen, so I think that's where my line is. Anyone under that, I guess, in terms of value, I agree on Robertson and definitely not trading Sandin or Lilligren for, for for Petri. So I think that's where I am. So I would trade Pierre Engvall. Um He's as you said. I mean, he's he's been fantastic with the Leafs thus far. He's scored a bunch of goals. He's putting up some points. He's proven that. Well, I'm hoping that he's going to prove. To other gms i mean that that he can play center so i don't know if that's something that montreal would take one for one i think the leafs would still have to add in some things there but just because of how much interest i think petrie's going to take around the league and and i don't think montreal is really in a rush to trade him and i think it's going to take something quite quite significant to get him back
0: so we now have the title of the podcast. It's going to be called Nick Wants to Trade Engvall. Um, we'll see. <laughs> I think I would trade,
1: or it's every everything Jeff Petrie.
0: <laughs> I would trade. I would also trade Engvall for for Petrie. I just I'm a huge Petrie fan now. Engvall's been good. Um, I'm curious to get your thoughts on the forward lines. So, Keith decided to, with, with when Janssen was out of the lineup, he decided to bump Kerfoot up to the Tavares line. So he went Kerfoot, he went Tavares, and Nylander all in a line. And then he had Spezza as the third-line center for a while. Now, when Janssen comes back, he's still keeping Kerfoot there. I mean, they have been good together. But now he's put Janssen and and He's reunited that duo from the Marlies and he's put Pierre Engvall as the third-line center. What have you, what, are your thoughts on that line? I know we haven't had a, a huge sample to see it, and we haven't really seen it in a... I mean, it was an 8-4 loss, but um, what do you think of that line on paper? Is that something that you think would work, or do you prefer Kerfoot as the third-line center?
1: I think in the long term, I'd, I'd like... I want Kerfoot to be back in the, the third-line center, and I want to see Janssen back in the top six. Now... We talked about this last week. I think having Janssen and Kapanen on your third line has a ton of value. Now, and Engvall has proven that, especially at the AHL level, that he is very good at center, and I'm, I'm excited to see him at the NHL level uh, kind of playing there. So for now, I'm okay with, and I know people are, are not going to like this just because the Leafs are right in the thick of the playoffs, but that top nine for the Leafs is so good that Really, any combination, and, and we're learning this, is effective in terms of the Leaf scoring a ton of goals. So I'm okay with him kind of trying different things out. Something that I'll throw back at you is, with when it comes to the top six, and we look at the Tavares-Nylander uh, combination and the Matthews-Marner combination, so let's say it's they keep it at Hyman, Matthews-Marner, and whoever that left winger is, Tavares-Nylander. Let's say you're playing Boston in the playoffs would you keep those same com- that same combination um, or would you change it to what we had last year and reunite Matthews and Nylander and then reunite a Hyman, Tavares, Marner line? Because for me, I would personally rather, rather go with the latter and I know that was, I guess, kind of Babcock's lines, but I don't know how confident I would be in having either Matthews playing up against the Bergeron line if they kept that hyman Matthews-Marner line together, and I don't know how confident I would be of having Tavares, Nealander, and whoever that left winger is. So I'd I'd like to hear your opinion on that. So I'm glad you brought this up. I was going to bring it up too. Um,
0: like, ever since Keith took over, there's been. I think there are legitimate criticisms from Babcock, and there then there are kind of made up ones because people kind of want to kind of throw Babcock under the bus. One thing that I don't criticize him for is putting Tavares with Marner and Matthews with Nylander and sticking with it. Um, I would say, I mean, I think Marner led the league in primary points per minute last year. It would have been very weird if Babcock broke up that duo. They were one of the best duos in the NHL last year. Um, I'd also say that Matthews and Nylander had a very long history of success together. Um, Now, he did break it up in the playoffs, so he he deserves some criticism for that. But like, I don't really have... I'm not going to pretend that these duos that they have now with Matthews and Marner are way better than their old duos, because their old duos were very good too. Um, it's nice to see Matthews and Marner playing together. Obviously, they're very good friends. It's kind of a nice story. Um, I think I prefer Tavares with Marner. Um, I just think... I do think Marner's better defensively than Nylander, even though I think Nylander's a little bit underrated defensively. Um, I do prefer kind of like a Hyman-Tavares-Marner line going up against against like a Boston's or Tampa's top line. Uh, and then the second line, like, I, I do like Matthews with, with Nylander. Um, I would like a, like, I think Engval would be a good fit there if you want to go to your third line and then say, you know, we want, like, I think Janssen Kurfit Kapanen is going to do serious damage if that's a third line. Um, so I'm, I'm, I think that's what I would do is, you know, Engval is the defensive presence with Matthews and Nylander. Uh, I'd go reunite that Hyman Tavares Marner line. And then I'd go Janssen, Kerfit, Kapanen as a third line that's going to do some serious damage. Uh, I'm not, like, all that passionate about it yet, where I'd say, like, I am I think Matthews has played really well with Marner. I think Tavares has played really well with Nylander. Uh, I think they're working, you know, well enough. But I, I do think I'm in the same boat where I prefer the old duos, and I'm not sure uh, if we'll see them again or when we'll see them again.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean... I'm definitely hoping that we see them in the playoffs or by the playoffs. But I think I'll... Yeah, definitely with the premise, I have the same. But I will go with... I loved Andreas Janssen playing with Matthews and Nylanders. So I hope in the playoffs, that's the line. And then we'll keep the Hyman, um, Tavares, Marner, which I feel like is kind of a staple of this podcast. So I guess that would leave a captain in yeah. Kerfoot, and Engvall third line. And I mean way anyway, you kind of dice it that it looks good, but I think you need that Tavares, Marner, Hyman line together to play the other team's top line.
0: Yeah, I like. I actually liked Janssen with Tavares and Marner last year. I love that line. So I, I like the nice part. The nice part about having so many good forwards is that there's a lot of good combinations. Uh, I do prefer Kerfoot as the third line center. I just I love him there. I think he's a very good two way player. Uh, I think he's got quite a bit of transition skill. Um, so I like about the middle, he's a better playmaker than Engvall is, um, th- what I will say though about this this team is I look at the roster last year and when Kadri got suspended, really the only option that they felt comfortable with it as a third-line center was Nylander, and I mean they didn't really want to play Mar- Marlow there at his age, um, they couldn't really promote Frederick Gauthier or, or Nick Patan as a third-line center. They didn't really feel comfortable. Uh, but now it, it, it is nice having so many different options. I think Spezza can do it. I think uh, Pierre Engvall, I don't mind him there. Um, we just haven't really seen enough enough of it to be all that confident. And then they have Kerfoot. So they have kind of three options for that third-line center role. It is nice to have some added depth there. But I think my favorite option is Kerfoot as a third-line center uh, just because I think he plays well with Kapanen, and I think he's kind of an underrated two-way center.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with all of that.
0: Okay, perfect. So, glad we. I'm glad we're agreeing for once. This is perfect.
1: Yeah, I know. All it took was a few losses for the Leafs. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, in terms of the... I want to get into Adam Brooks here, because we're, we're finally getting a little bit more of a sample of him. Uh, I think he was sick last week, which is why he was out of the lineup, but... Uh, obviously, he's a favorite of Sheldon Keefe's. So it's kind of well documented by now. Um, we've also seen Marchment play a few games. Now he hasn't really got as much ice time. He hasn't been in every game, but I've been pretty impressed with Brooks. Uh, he's he's already got four points. Uh, still looking for his first goal, but uh, I mean, he's still I think he's under ten minutes on average. He's been under ten minutes the last six games, but I don't mind him as that fourth line center, and I think I prefer him to Gauthier. Uh, Where are you in terms of the fourth line right now?
1: Yeah, I mean, with all these injuries, and I mean, Jansen's back now, but for a little bit we saw it was almost like it was just a Marley's top line for a little bit, but with Brooks, I think it's really nice to see kind of the the fan base get behind Brooks. I think that when we look at the other call-ups that have come up over the years, they've kind of had one skill that really stands out. Like I think about Trevor Moore a very noticeable guy on the ice, likes to get feisty. He's very quick. He's a very noticeable guy on the ice. in speed, uh, Janssen, kind of similar to to Moore in that sense. And uh, I'm trying to think who else has even come up. When it comes to Brooks, Engvall, Engvall, I mean, you can't miss him out there. With Brooks, he kind of is a little bit more quiet in in how he does things. He's a very smart player. He doesn't really have any physical attributes that kind of jump out at you. So, it's nice to see the Leafs fan base kind of go get behind um, Adam Brooks, and I think he's been very good. I had a poll actually earlier this week saying that hypothetical situation, the Leafs are going into the playoffs and have one spot left in their lineup on the fourth line left wing slot. So with that, I was kind of assuming that the center would be Spezza, the right winger would be Trevor Moore, and Ilya Mikheyev would be out leaving that left wing slot. And then I said, you, you you, have to choose to play one of these four. And it was Patan, Brooks, Marchman, and Timoshev. So Timishov won at 35%. And then Brooks was second, which I thought was really awesome at, at 28. So I'm going to put you on the spot now. What would be your ranking? So the four players are Patan, Brooks, Marchman, and Timishov I'm
0: surprised Timoshev won.
1: So, so am I. I. I thought Brooks was going to win, to be honest, but...
0: I, I was the, I thought I was like the, the leader of the team fan club at the start of the year. I didn't think he was going to make the team. And then I know like people were surprised he was playing and kind of bashing him because of his, his poor on ice numbers, but I thought he played pretty well. Like he's, he's pretty feisty. He's, he's a decent passer. Uh, I think he's pretty good off the puck, but, um, like I, I I think he's kind of a replacement level player team right now. Um, I think Brooks has been has kind of outplayed him. He's just a smart player. Uh, you can play center, pretty responsible defensively. You can put him on the penalty kill. Uh, I really liked his assist. I forget what game it was, but he kind of had a, like a perfect opportunity to shoot. And you think like as a rookie, you just want to make the simple play, but he made a really nice pass to kind of to give a tap-in goal. Uh, he's created quite a bit of offense for someone that. Uh, I mean, is only playing, like, less than 10 minutes a game. Um, of that one game, only played, like, two minutes, or three minutes. <laughs> uh, I do like playing Tavares and Matthews more, and I think, like, I do appreciate that, but I would like to see guys kind of play, you know, seven, seven and a half minutes a night, even if they're on the fourth line, just to keep everyone a little bit more fresh. Um, so I will say that I think now as someone who wanted to play the stars more now i'm almost saying like whoa that's a lot um i would put like i think patan can play i think patan can play but i'd go brooks
1: you'd go brooks okay and then and then who would be second place
0: i'd go i'd probably go patan but i think it depends
1: okay and then third
0: uh who's the fourth option gucci
1: uh so it's it was it was Patan Brooks Marchment and Tim Oh, Mar- go is just missed is there. the cut. <laughs> uh,
0: I do like Marchment with Trevor Moore. I think they're amazing together. Um I might put him second and then Patan third. I put Tim Michelle fourth. I think it's so close though. Like I think they have so much like I I th- I don't know if there's like a an option that I'd be outraged over. I am hoping that Gautier comes out of the lineup, I know Keefe had him out uh, for a bit of a stretch there, and then they had injuries, and he's, he's been back ever since, so uh, like I like Goche personally, um, but I do think that there are options that that provide a little bit more offense, um, and I do think they have enough good penalty killers, I do think that, I mean, Spezza and Brooks can both play center, so it's not like he's needed to play center, um, so I am hoping that he that Keith takes Goche back out, once uh, everyone's back, uh, specifically Trevor Moore. That's kind of my my first priority, and then of those four, I don't think there's really a too wrong of a choice. But my preference would be Adam Brook.
1: Yeah, and I'm not too worried about. Um, I mean, everything that Sheldon Keith has done thus far would suggest that Frederick Goche wouldn't be in a li- in a healthy lineup. Uh, he kind of came in as soon as those injuries came. But but yeah, I mean, my ranking was Brooks, Patan, Timoshev, and Marchment. Uh, somewhat similar to yours. I wasn't too impressed with, with Marchment's small stint in the NHL. I think he'd benefit from going back to the Marlies uh, once the Leafs are completely healthy. Um, but I do think that there is something there in the future. But uh, with Nick Patan, he's back with the Marlies now. Again, I still think there's something untapped there. Maybe that's something... It's funny because during the summer I was pretty low on Patan and you and I would have conversations about him and now I've kind of come completely the opposite where I think, I still think I would I'd have Brooks over him but I still think that I would like to see Nick Patan up um, with the team, with, with this new Sheldon Keefe kind of style that they play. But again, I mean, those four players are so close that it's... It's kind of it's kind of tick for tot.
0: Yeah, I think if you like if you had a trade in place for like Timashov or, or really any of them like you, you could not make it like it, they have so much depth. Uh, Marchmont, I don't know if he would benefit from all that much more seasoning like he's already 24 so he's obviously made huge strides. Um, I do think like he's only played I think he's played three games. Uh, yeah three games now. Uh, so it's 650, 821, and 455. He's been playing on a line with Goche. I don't think they really complement each other well. Uh, they're both a bit slow. Uh, neither is a really good playmaker. So I, I do just kind of want, like, I'd, I'd like to see Marchman away from Gauthier. Um I'd love to see Marchman with Trevor Moore across from him. I think they're just amazing together. Um, I thought the, when it was, I think it was Marchman, Spezza, Goche. I think that was the line. I thought they were really slow. Uh, I didn't like that line at all, even though I like Marchment. So um, I wouldn't mind putting Marchment down. Obviously, I think he doesn't have to go through waivers or anything. Um, so I won't mind it, but I, I do think he's a good fourth-line fourth, op- fourth line option for next year. Uh, it just seems like right now it's such a tough team to make if you're that 13th, 14th forward, because they do have so much depth, particularly up front. Um, so it's not a bad, necessarily a bad problem to have, but I guess my... my top priority down the stretch here is going away from Goche and, and putting a little bit more offense onto that fourth line. Um, and then on the back end I think that's kind of the the big key because uh, I'm more I'm like ten times more concerned with the defense than I am with their, you know, last fourth line spot.
1: Yeah, they have an up depth that's once healthy that I mean that fourth line should be very good. I think it's gonna be sped some more and if is back, then we're looking at I mean Maybe even Engvall on that fourth line, which kind of sounds odd. That, But, I mean, someone's going to have to play down there. Uh, someone on the left wing. So I think they're going to have a very good fourth line. I'm not too concerned about it at all, especially when they're healthy.
0: So, yeah, I agree with you there. Um, so I asked for a few mailbag questions. We have a few here. Uh, I just want to run through these quick. So the first one, without precise, without knowing precisely how this team will fare without Riley... Would you say it's time for your readers to crack each other's heads open and feast on the goo inside? Nick, where do you think of that?
1: Wow, it is
0: going to be tough
1: though. I'll say, I'll say, I'll say no. It's not time. I'll, I'll I guess. Go with that. <laughs>
0: okay, I guess I'll agree because Sandine's up now. I don't think Sandine's going to be able to replace Riley. Riley's just a very good player, and although he gets criticized a lot, I do think it's going to be a very tough loss. Um, but I am at least there's like. Another reason to watch watch the Leafs and kind of, I think he I think Sandines can be a bit of a difference maker here because I mean he's pretty good defensively for a younger player. He's a good puck mover, so it is like if there is a bit of a if there's something stopping us from doing that, I think it is kind of we get to watch Rasmus Sandine and after watching him at the World Juniors, I think we could be pretty excited. Um, let's go into a more positive. I don't even know if I mean, it is a little bit of uh, doom and gloom right now. Um, I just think, like, I want to be cautious that we don't put, like, we don't get our expectations up too much for Sandine where we're expecting him to replace a 70-point defenseman at Riley. Uh, I do think that, you know, Riley has some defensive concerns at times, but I want to be clear that he is a pretty good player. I think we have to kind of say that.
1: I've seen that too, that a few people are, are expecting that the Leafs defense is going to be better when you're replacing Sandine and Riley. And I mean, that's, I mean, one day that could be true, but I don't think it's today. I mean, Sandine's still very young and he's, we don't have a large enough NHL sample of him to even say that he's somewhat close to a 70 point defenseman. So, I mean, he's, it's going to be exciting, but the, They're not going to be a better team.
0: I don't think they'll be a better team, no, just because Riley's so damn good. But I am excited to see Sandin. Um, On a more, I guess, a more positive question here. uh, This is like a three-parter. So first was realistic trade and call-up scenarios. I think we kind of did a few realistic trade ones, one being, I mean, I think Dylan, I don't think he'd cost a first. Maybe you give up like a pretty good prospect. Maybe Bracco factor's in there. Uh, Maybe give up a second. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, Mason Marchman or someone was involved. Um, I don't think you're going to move, like, a a game-changer for him. You're definitely not giving up, like, someone like Lilligran. Maybe, like, Mikko Kalkinan would make some sense um, as kind of a headliner. I think Dylan would be a good fit just because of his defensive play. Um, But, again, then you're thinking who moves to the right side. It's not exactly the best fit. Um, Joachim Ryan, Dylan DeMello... I would be kind of targeting that you know anything you get for like a second or a third or like a second and a prospect. Um, I, I don't think that they're going to move their next first round pick. I don't think that they're going to move one of their big three prospects. Um, in terms of realistic, in terms of realistic call up yeah, scenarios, I like this next question. Um, forwards, I don't think there are many other than Patan, um, just because of as we said the the depth of the forwards right now. Uh, let's get into Lilligrin because the next question here. A, I think it's a realistic call up scenario. B, is there an appetite to move CC to bring up Lilligrin? I think they're going to wait. Um, I don't see it happening. And, and if it does happen, I'm not sure if CC is the guy that comes out. I think it might be Morrison that comes out. But I think Lilligren's played real well. I know you've been watching a few Marley's games. What's your thoughts on. Lilligren over the last few games you've seen of him?
1: Yeah, I think the question actually is is might be kind of suggesting that they trade CC in order to bring up Lilligren. Uh I don't know if I'm just reading it wrong, but if, if that's the case... Is there an
0: appetite to do so?
1: Yeah, so I would say that Lilligren right now is an NHL defenseman. He's Last year, I know he got a lot of slack. He played a lot more defensive. He didn't step up as much. We didn't see that offensive flair that he was drafted for. This year, he looks a lot more well-rounded. He's very good defending in transition, something that we saw last year, and this year he's kind of taken that to the next level. We see him pinching up a lot more, and I mean, this week in itself, he had a number of highlight reel plays where he was making just high-level decisions on the ice, and it was kind of really benefiting the Mon- uh, the Marlies. I was going to say Montreal for some reason, but, and <laughs> I mean, he had, a, he had a ton of points this week and, and he's been really good. So I think he's already an NHL defenseman. Um, is he a player that is, I think he's better than CeCe, but is he a player that's really going to move the needle a lot? I would say that's tough to say, and I would say that probably not at this point, but I think that's what kind of makes that less less appealing to just less move CC and to bring him up. So.
0: I'll, so I'm going to jump in here. With Lilligran, so first, in terms of his points, he's got a seven-game point streak. He's got 11 points in his last 10. Um, he's got 24 points in 33 games. Now, I do think points are kind of overrated for defensemen at times. Uh, part of that is just getting power play minutes. You're going to get some easy assists along the way. Uh, part of that is his shooting percentage is high, but he's well ahead of where he's been in the past. Um, I do think that, I mean, they do benefit from having an extra penalty killer. I don't think Lilligren would be a great penalty killer if he was called up today. Uh, I think he does need to get a little bit stronger. But I have like the progress in his game. I think he's far better in terms of puck carrying. I think he's making better decisions out there. Looks way more confident offensively. Uh, I do think that the points kind of match the eye test, where I thought he, he wasn't very strong as a puck mover last year pretty disappointed in him um, from that regard, but he's not going to be a a huge game changer defensively. I think he's better in terms of his ability to defend the line. I think, you know, turnovers can be a concern. Uh, Losing some puck battles down low can be a concern, Uh, but I do like, like, recently it seems like he's finally jumping up in the play a lot, and then he's fast enough to get back. Um, I've always been pretty high on his skating. Um, So over 82-game season, he'd be at 60 points. That's pretty good. Uh, for a defenseman, um, I think that you do run the run into the issue where like he's not he's probably not going to play on the penalty kill as a rookie. Uh, there's not a ton of power play opportunity for him. I think Sandine would play over him on the power play. Not to mention Riley Barry. Um, so I, I'd like to see him at some point. I think you know it would be fun to see a Sandine Lugerin pairing, uh, especially. Um, but I do think like I guess my argument against calling up Lugerin. And I'm not really passionate about this either way, but uh, it it feels like we're finally getting to see some offense out of him. It's been 33 games now where we've kind of seen more offense. And I don't think we're going to see that the second he gets called up to the NHL. So I don't mind him getting kind of a larger sample to work on his offensive game um, because it's only really been 33 games. I don't think we really saw this last year. Um, So I, I don't mind being a little bit more patient, but I think we're both in agreement that we would like a change from Cody CC come the trade deadline or come the playoffs.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think, I think if Lilligren doesn't play with the Leafs this year and continues to play with the Marlies and starts the starts the year next year with the Leafs, I think that's something that's completely okay. Um, again, Lilligren, it seems like he's been with the Marlies for years now, which he has, but I mean, it's okay if we wait one more year and he comes in next year. So um, yeah, I think we can move on to the next question, which is: So, will will Sandine play if all of Muzzin, Riley, Dermot are healthy on the left side? So, uh, I, I'll take a crack at this first. So, I think that a few things are kind of kind of come into play when it comes to that. I mean, one we haven't seen one of the one of the D there, whether it's Muzzin, Riley, or Dermot, are going to have to move to the right side. Now, history would probably tell us that it's Dermot. I think that Dermot's play in the next month, you know, now he's going to be playing with Hall, kind of will really be indicative of whether Keefe is really comfortable uh, trying him out on the right side, something we haven't seen since Keefe took over. And we didn't really even see it with Babcock, did we? Um, Not too much. Not in large samples, yeah. Definitely not in large samples. So, I mean, I think there's one one of them will have to move to the right side and two sandine will have to play good enough where it's almost impossible for you to send him back down so i think those are the two big things that are into play here so if if i if you needed a yes or no answer i would say no and again i think that's that's okay for this season he's gonna sandine's gonna be with the Leafs next year i think everyone knows it um and that's okay
0: yeah i think it's definitely okay like whether he plays or not, he's going to be a, a pretty darn good defenseman at some point. But um, I think the I mean, the easy answer here is we'll see how he plays. Um, we're going to get an audition here. Right. Um, I thought he played really well at the start of the year. Uh, but we still haven't seen it over a huge sample. And I think ideally I'd like him at the playoff lineup, um, especially looking at his as, as play in the World Juniors. But... Um, if they decided otherwise, largely due to handedness, maybe they, like, we also don't know if they're going to get a defenseman. Uh, if they get, like, if they go and make a move at the deadline and he gets pushed one spot down the, the depth chart, it's going to be a little bit tougher. So, uh, again, tough to kind of say because Riley's eight weeks out and we don't know what they're going to do in the meantime or who's going to get hurt in the meantime, um, but I'll say I would like him in my lineup, just because I, I enjoy watching him play so much.
1: Right, exactly. Um, so we'll go on to the last one here. This one we kind of touched upon earlier, but this one is, uh, what is your ideal D combos till both Muzzin and Riley are back? So we kind of touched upon that earlier. I think yours and I's were were, we were kind of similar. Um, we had Dermot Hall, we had Sandine and CeCe, and then we had, um, it was Marincin Barry, right? Right. So that's what you're going with? That's what I'm going with. But now that I've I've kind of been thinking about it, and I don't want this to get lost in translation, those are my ideal pairings. But since we were on the brainstorming kind of train tracks earlier, Mm -hmm. I'd be curious to see if... Now, we've already seen them, Keith, go with Marincin Hall as a shutdown pairing. Now... I didn't think they were that bad until the Edmonton game. I mean, the Edmonton game, the McDavid line just absolutely ate them alive. And even at the last game when it was Muzzin Hall, McDavid, when you looked at the numbers, really ate that lineup. They just didn't score as much. So I would be very curious to see if he, if Keith kept Marinson Hall together to play against the top lines, and then put Dermot and let's say Dermot Barry and then Sandine CeCe. Could you see that happening? I'm just brainstorming at this point, but I mean we have already seen Keith go with marinson Hall, so I'd be curious to see if he tries it. Again. I like how you called it the the brainstorming
0: train tracks. I think that's the, the best yeah. part of this. Um, but I'll say I don't like I, I don't really love any option to be honest. Um, my I I guess I would like I'd be okay with that. I think the danger is then you play marinson a lot. Um, but if you're playing with Barry, then you might be playing him a lot anyway. So, uh, yeah, I'd be okay with that, I think. Um, I'd like to kind of separate Morinsen and CeCe, uh, just because, you know, spread out the puck moving a little bit more, spread out the kind of more defensive stay-at-home types a little bit more. Um, but I'd be okay with that too. Um, for the question, I'll stick to our original ones of, you know, Dermot Hall. Um, uh, you know what? I'll i I'll, I'll switch to yours. Let's do it. Marinson Hall. Sandine Cece, Dermot no. Marinson Hall, Dermot Barry, and then Sandine right. Cece. So I'll, I'll I'll go with that. Um and then I guess in terms of whether or not Sandine plays when, when everyone's healthy, like again I hope so, but uh really this is gonna be the the big question.
1: Right, exactly.
0: So, I wanted, before we get out of here, uh, I got a few final notes. So, one, uh, the Marinson signing, I think it's fine. Like, they need to sign some guys for 700000 in order to uh, have some spending money, whether it's re-signing Muzzin, whether it's going out and get someone else. Um, I'd rather have Marincin at 700000 than going out and get a seventh defenseman for, you know, $1.5 million. Uh, so, I'd like... I basically want to spend as little as possible, and I think Barinson's fine for that role, Um, even though he's kind of hated by half the fan base. Um, In terms of Rod Davidson, uh, had a seizure before the Marlies game. We wish him all the best in his recovery. Uh, Marlies forfeited the game. I mean, it's an AHL game. Uh, That is certainly not the priority. Uh, So we wish him all the best going forward here. Uh, on On a lighter note, Stephen Johns... Uh, he played his first game in 22 months against the Marlies, had four points. Uh, you don't like seeing players kind of rack up points against the Marlies, but it was such a great story that uh, I think we'll accept it. And then Akil Thomas, I think, I mean, he got traded to Peterborough to play with uh, Simeon durr and Nick Robertson. Uh, Nick, are you going to get a Peterborough tattoo now, or, or what are you thinking?
1: I'm definitely going to get a jersey. I mean, after I saw uh, that he got traded, I am starting to expect a lot of goals that end with Nick Robertson goals assisted by Akil Thomas, and we've already seen one. And then Akil Thomas scored the other day, assisted by Semyon Darganchentsev. So all we need is the Leafs to get Akil Thomas, and Peterborough might be, you know, the most the most loved team in the GTA?
0: Oh, don't. So, Akil Thomas went one pick ahead of Sean Dersey and I wanted Thomas so bad at the time. And then Kalen Addison, the other guy I wanted, went one pick behind him. So, I've kind of, because they traded Dersey and they've, I mean, Dursey's not a bad player either. Uh, I didn't think it was a bad pick, but um, they did get Muzzin uh, as part of that trade. So, I've kind of accepted it, but I would have loved to see Akil Thomas as a least prospect. Uh, I think I might have to look at moving to Peterborough now for the rest of the year, you know, maybe like a sublet, um, just so I can watch those yeah. I can watch those three. Um, I guess the other... Yeah, exactly, the
1: highlights won't do it well.
0: Yeah, it's not good you enough. you got to take
1: it one step further.
0: And then in terms of, I guess, the last note here, um, they do have a bit of a tougher schedule in February. I think they've kind of benefited from an easier one uh, in December. Now it's going to get tougher in February. So I do think it's key to kind of, you know, hopefully go two and one on this next stretch. And then, you know, you look at February, they got an easier first week, but then they got a, a second week in February is Tampa, Nashville, Boston. That is tough. And then they have like an eight-day span towards the end of the month where it's Islanders, Panthers, Lightning, Blue Jackets, Hurricanes. And then I think like Washington's like a few days later. So it is it is a bit rough in February. You want to bank the points now. Um, I'm curious to see if it maybe prompts Dubas to make an earlier move than the deadline like you did last year with Muzzin. I think that was like around this time. Um, So we'll see, especially now that that Riley's out. Uh, I am kind of excited to see where where they go here. But uh, I guess the last question before we get out of here, what we do every week. So the Leafs scheduled this week, Devils, Flames, Blackhawks, all at home, how many points do you need to be happy?
1: I feel like I over always overshoot it every week, and I'm going to overshoot it again to this week. So I'm going to go with four. Um, I mean, obviously, they haven't really gotten too many points in the last last three games, but, I mean, having Janssen back, um, and now, I mean, you lost Riley. But again, I'm going to keep with my optimistic side. I think that they could score enough goals um, to kind of overset any defensive problems that they've been having, and, and I'm, I'm hoping for Frederick Anderson to step back, Step back to where he, uh, the level that he's, we're used to seeing him. So I'm gonna go four points. How about you?
0: I'll go four too. I mean, even with Riley out, I think. I mean, you hope for a bounce back week from Anderson, um, but I mean, they're they're in the playoff bubble right now. Uh, to put it simply, like 54 points. They're they're one up on Florida. Florida's got a game in hand. Uh, it is close, and I think because it gets so difficult in in February, you got to start banking points now. Uh, easier opponent against the Devils. I mean, the Blackhawks always seems to be a, a high-scoring game, but I would call them an easier to, uh, opponent again. Uh, maybe you get a point or two. Like They are at home against the Flames, so they'll probably be the favorite in that one. So I think four is the right answer. Um, but I want to thank everyone who sent a mailbag question, specifically Tucker Geo, who saved the day. He had like, a four-part question. Um, so, I mean, it gave us a lot to talk about, which is which was nice. Uh, let's hope for a you know four five six point performance from the Leafs this week, and uh, we'll see everyone next week.